But what's really cool about today, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, is this, 24 days till Christmas. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, raise your hand if you love Christmas. I want to see who I'm talking to. Keep them up, because I want to see who doesn't have their hand up. I want to see who I'm going to talk to this morning, right? Yeah, I love Christmas. You put your hand up. I tell you that every year. I love Christmas. I love putting everything about Christmas, and hopefully you do too. I love Christmas music. Can I get amen? Amen. And I love Christmas presents. Amen. Yeah, I love Christmas food. Anybody like Christmas food? And I like Christmas presents. Amen. Yeah, I like Christmas movies. Anybody like Christmas movies? I can see back here. And I like Christmas presents. I just want to let you know that. I love Christmas, right? Christmas decorations, Christmas lights. Don't you love it? Anybody like Christmas lights? And I love Christmas presents, in case I didn't say that, right? I love Christmas presents. Anybody like Christmas presents? Raise your hand. Yeah, those of you who aren't are lying, I think, right? I hate it when people get to be old and like, oh, I don't really like Christmas presents. You're lying. We love Christmas presents, right? All of us from the time that we're little, it's like we want this certain thing because we think this present or this gift is going to make us happy. And there's something that we long for and we want and we like, if I could just open that then I know I'm going to be happy. I was thinking this last week about that. I was thinking when I was a kid, there were certain things, and it's amazing how times have changed. But I remember when I was young, there was something that I wanted for Christmas because I knew if I just got that for Christmas, if I got this, because it was cutting edge technology at the time. And if I could just get it, I would be happy. What I wanted that was going to make me happy was an electric football set. Give me an amen on that. Raise your hand if anybody's got one of those. Anybody have one of those when you were? Yeah, a couple. You look old. That's what you look, right? I'm just saying. I still got mine, by the way, right? And so some of you are like, what is that? Well, this was cutting edge, man, because what you do is you lined up your team on this little field, and you lined them up against the opponents, and then you plugged it in, which was unheard of at that time, right? And then you hit the button. They just did this the whole time, and they went in circles. And that made me happy for putting there one year, maybe two. And then all of a sudden, the technology changed. And all of a sudden, my electric football set seemed old, right? Because all of a sudden, they came out with something way cooler, way more cutting edge. And I knew if I just had this, I'd be happy. Can I get an amen on that? How many of you had one of those? Raise your hand. Let's see who I'm talking to, right? I still got three of them. I'm not kidding you. I don't play them. Don't worry about it. But I thought if I just had that, I would be happy. Why? Because that was cutting edge. That was much better than what I had. If I just had that, I would be happy. I was happy for about a year or two. And then I grew up and became an adult, and I realized, man, these kids don't even know anything about what I used to play with. Because nowadays, they have stuff like this, right? It's like virtual reality on a football field. Here's what I know. Many of us in this room, we think to ourselves, man, if I just could get that one thing, I would be happy. A few years ago, something happened to me. Some of you were here for it. Christmas Eve, I, I did a little talk at Christmas Eve, and I had an illustration up here. Some of you might remember it, because I was talking about something that, that makes me happy. Particularly when I was a kid, it made me happy. And the one thing that made me happy, I had it wrapped up as a present because I was going to tell you what made me happy. And what made me happy was a Snickers bar. How many remember that at Christmas Eve? Yeah, I, and so I unwrapped this Snickers bar. I had no idea what was going to happen at that point because something happened that surprised me. Unwrapped it, did the Christmas Eve. I was like, oh, have Merry Christmas. And that was a couple years ago. Somebody who I still am not sure who it is, but one of you 
Since that talk, one of you began every so many weeks bringing into the office anonymously bags of Snickers bars. I affectionately refer to you, if it's you, as the Snickers bandit, right? Because you come, drop them off, and won't tell me who you are. And I'm like, man, I never saw that coming. I used this illustration, unwrap this Snickers bar Christmas Eve, and all of a sudden, one of you like, wow, if that's what makes him happy, we're just going to fill his life up with Snickers bar. It gave me an idea. I got my talk for this Christmas Eve. I'm going to tell you how much I love things like this. <clears throat> and see how that might work for me, Amen. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, matchbox, I'm gonna get filled up with matchbox cars, right? Here, here's what I know. You, you know what I know? 53 years of Christmases, right? I don't know how many you have, more or less. 53 years of Christmases. I know something that, quite frankly, you know. And here's what I know that when it comes to being happy, I know that no thing makes me happy. There's no thing that makes me happy. See, you know that by experience because many of us think if I just had that thing, or maybe it's not a thing that you buy, maybe it's not material. For some of us, are like, if my circumstance was just this, or some of us think, well, when I get to retirement, or if I could just get married, or if we could just graduate high school, then I'm going to be happy. And what we find is as we go through life that no thing makes me happy happy. So it causes us to say, well, I got to dig deeper into this. I want to unwrap happiness. And when you unwrap happiness, here's what you find. Stay with me. We're going to go here today. You find something that's true about every happy person, that every happy person has something. When you begin to unwrap happiness, here's what you find. You find that happy people are at peace, that people who are truly happy are at peace. And quite frankly, for some of us in the room, here's the deal. The fact that happy people are at peace is the very thing that makes us unhappy. Because when we look at their life, we're like, how can you be happy? How can you be happy and work that job? How can you be happy and drive that car? How can you be happy and be related to them? How can you be happy and look like that? How can you be happy, right? And for a lot of us, we wanna be happy. And we find ourselves missing happiness because somewhere along the way we're missing peace. And it leads many of us this Christmas to say, I need peace. I need peace in my life. Makes sense at Christmas time you talk about it because at Christmas time that whole peace on earth, goodwill to men kind of thing, right? And for some of us, we're like, I need me some of that Christmas peace. I need me some of that peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I need some peace peace in my life. And some of you are like, man, I had a Christmas card. Somebody sent me a Christmas card. It said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. I need that. But for some of us are like, maybe the card had it wrong because here's what you know and I know that when you look around, right? When you look around, you realize something. There ain't a whole lot of peace on earth. Amen. All you got to do is watch the news, look around. All of a sudden, nation fights nation, races in tension with other races, genders squabbling with the other gender. You have husband fighting with wife. You have religion squabbling with religion. Heck, we even have the Browns fighting with the Steelers, amen? <laughs> when you look around, there's not a whole lot of peace on earth. Everybody lean in, look here a second. Look here, I wanna talk to you. You don't gotta look around to know there's not a lot of peace on earth. You know what you gotta do? You just got to look in the mirror. 
You see, the fact of the matter is, it's not just that there's not a lot of peace on earth, but many of us, all we got to do is simply look in the mirror and we realize there's not a lot of peace in our earth, in our world. And for a lot of us, when we look in the mirror, we're like, wow, there's not a lot of peace in my life. For some of you, the reason there's not a lot of peace in your life is this. Maybe you'll find yourself, for some of you, it's because circumstances have stolen your peace. And you know what I'm talking about. For some of you, your, your finances are a mess. For some of you, your health has been hijacked. For some of you, your job is in jeopardy. And, and, and you don't have a lot of peace because the circumstances of your life have ripped the peace right out from underneath of you. <laughs> Others of you, it's not simply your circumstances. You know what happens when you look in the mirror. You know what steals your peace? Your past. Because every time you see your face, you're reminded of your past. Every time you look in the mirror, you're reminded of your regrets. You're reminded of the things you're ashamed of. Every time you look in the mirror, somehow the reflection of your past kind of overshadows you and all of a sudden peace is stolen. And for others of you, it's not your circumstances stealing your peace. It's not your past. Don't look around. But you know what steals your peace? Other people. Other people. Can I get an amen? Just a real quiet one. Amen on that. Other people can steal our peace. For some of you, your marriage is a mess and there's no peace. For some of you, your friendships are failing. For others of you, you haven't talked to your parents or your kids in years and all of a sudden there's no peace in your life. The fact of the matter is there's all kinds of things that can steal our peace and we're like, I want this peace on earth, but instead of peace, I got problems. Instead of peace, I got pressure. Instead of peace, I got pain. Instead of peace, I'm pinned. Instead of peace, I need some peace. Peace on earth, forget peace on the earth. I just need peace on this little piece of dirt called my world. That's where some of you are at this morning. That's where some of you are at this Christmas. And what you found is futile to somehow buy peace because you find out that peace is not material. Peace is not even circumstantial or situational. It's like, well, when I retire, well, when I get married, well, when I, it's, it has nothing to do with that, but peace is relational. Here's what you know about peace. Happy people are at peace, first and foremost, with themselves. You see, you look at them, you're like, how could you be at peace with yourself? How could you be at peace when you, when, when you have that job? How could you be at peace when all of a sudden you live in that neighborhood? And yet when you truly come across somebody who is happy and at peace, you realize that they are at total peace with them. But they're not just at peace with themselves. They're at peace with others. Like when you truly come across a happy person who's at peace, they're a person who doesn't have revenge on their mind. When you truly come across somebody who's happy and at peace, there's somebody who doesn't carry bitterness and resentment. When you truly come across somebody who's happy and at peace, there's somebody who's not always playing the victim. See, the fact of the matter is, what we truly need and what we truly want is peace. And what if I could tell you, you could walk out of here this Christmas with what you really need and really want? What if I told you this Christmas that you could walk out of this room with what you really need, what you long for, what you want more than anything? You see, the truth is we want peace and happy people are at peace with themselves, with others, but they are first and foremost at peace with God. In fact, that is the foundation, the crux, the launching pad of the entire series. 
Because the series in a sentence is simply this. Peace with God paves the way to peace with myself and peace with others. I'm gonna spend the next two weeks. Next week, I wanna talk to you about how you can be at peace with yourself. I hope you'll come. The week after that, I wanna talk to you about how you can be at peace with others. But this morning, I wanna talk to you for a few brief moments on how you and I can be at peace with God. And I can't think of a conversation that I want to have with you that is more important. And here is my fear. Everybody lean in. Some of you grew up in church. You would say you are a religious person and you are going to assume that you know what I'm gonna talk about and you don't. And I've been praying for you all morning that you'll stay dialed in. Because peace with God is the foundation. It paves the way to peace with myself and peace with others. And you know what I know about you? I know this about you. I know it about me. I know it about we. That all of us instinctively, naturally want to be at peace with God. You want to be at peace with God. I want to be at peace with God. We want to be at peace with God. You know how I know that? Because I've been a pastor for 26 years and I've done tons of funerals and the most common thing that people will say at funerals is this, I hope they made their peace with God. I hope they made their peace with God. And yet here's what the New Testament teaches and here's the truth. I am not at peace with God. I'm not at peace with God. You're not at peace with God. We're not at peace with God. The New Testament teaches that we are in conflict with God. Here's the way Colossians 1 puts it. It says, once you were alienated from God and were, everybody say the yellow out loud, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Romans 5 that you have opened in your lap says this, for if while we were God's, everybody say it out loud, enemies. The New Testament teaches that we are not at peace with God. Naturally, we are not at peace with God. We are at conflict with God. And we are at conflict. Everybody listen. I don't want to lose you on what I'm getting ready to say. We are at conflict with God for two reasons. They're going to sound the same. You're going to think that guy's getting old repeating himself. Lean in for two reasons that I want to unwrap this morning. First, you ready? We are at conflict with God because of sin. There's no slide for this worth writing down because of sin. And we are at conflict with God, you ready? Because of my sin. Ain't they the same thing? Stay with me. We're at conflict with God because of sin, and we're at conflict with God because of my sin. You're saying, Dan, help me understand that. I'd be happy to. Let's start with sin. Let's understand this. We are at conflict with God because of sin. I heard this illustration this last week by a guy named Andy Stanley, and I'm like, that's it. He illustrated it perfectly. When you and I think of sin, I want this to make sense to you. I want you to think of it this way. Think of the nation you were born into. Now stay with me. Most of us, not all of us, most of us were born in America, in the room, right? And here's what I know about the nation you were born into. You had no choice in it, right? No choice in it. And whereas that might be unfair, it's true. That's handy to remember. It might be unfair, but it's true. And because you were born into the nation you were born into, you were born into that nation with all of its blessings. There's lots of blessings living in America, right? 
right? Amen? Yeah. And there's consequences. Here's what I know. How many of you ever traveled overseas? Anybody raise your hand? I've traveled overseas. I've been to Argentina, Haiti, been to Puerto Rico, Mexico, different places. Here's what I know. Anytime I've traveled overseas, been away from the nation I was born into, I stand out like a sore thumb. Amen, right? I mean, you can just tell I'm not from there, right? It's very evident. I look different than most of the people in the, people in the places I've been to, right? Uh, their, their customs are different than I'm used to. It's evident. I don't know my way around. It's evident that I'm not from there, but it's never more evident than when I talk because one of the consequences, everybody listen, I don't want to mumble. One of the consequences to being born in America is I only know one language. Can I get an amen on that, right? And probably most of you do too. And it's amazing how many people across the world know more than one language. I remember I was in Puerto Rico. I remember there's 10 of us, about 10 of us. And uh, we were in Puerto Rico, and when we landed, we, wa- we were hungry. And so we found the, the nearest McDonald's. We're like, we're going to order some lunch. But none of us can speak their language. We had one guy on the team, and I think he got a C minus in Spanish. We're like, you're our interpreter is what we said, right? And so we get this guy. We're like, man, we got to order. There's 10 of us. And so he got a napkin. He got a pen. And he began writing our order on the napkin. Like, I want a hamburger and a cheeseburger. He's like writing it in Spanish so that he can get up there and he can give the order so we can get some food. We are starving. So it took us forever and a day to get this thing on a napkin so that he could say it just how he needed to say it so they would understand it. He took his napkin. It was just full of our order up there. And this, the, the, this wonderful young gal was behind the counter. She's going to take his order. And he stuttered and stumbled. And he went right through the order. And he read through the napkin. It must have taken him 10 or 15 minutes. The line was building. People were getting impatient. And and he's just going, man, we need this. And then he's like saying it all in Spanish. And she's writing it down. She's looking around. She's really uncomfortable. And when he got done, she looked at him and she said, now, is that three hamburgers, five Big Macs, and six chicken McNuggets? We looked at her and said, like, how many languages do you know? She said three or four, right? It is one of the consequences, right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When it comes to sin, we are, listen close, we are all born into the nation of sin. You're like, that's unfair. You might think it's unfair, but it's true. In fact, Romans 5 says this. It says, therefore, just as, what's the word? Say it out loud. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin In this way, death came to all people because what? All sinned. You see, the fact of the matter is we are all born at conflict with God. You ought to write that down somewhere. It's important that you know that. We are born at conflict with God. And that's what Romans 5 is simply teaching, that literally sin came to all men through one man. And that one man's name was Adam. And with sin came death. And you know that because sin kills. Sin kills. Sin kills peace. Sin kills relationships. Sin kills attitude. Sin kills cooperation. Sin, everywhere it shows up, it kills. And the fact of the matter is, we are all born into the nation of sin. Some of you might recognize a picture like this. 
that literally over to your right is God and his kingdom. And the fact of the matter is the New Testament says that all of us are born into the nation of sin. Like, like we don't need a passport to let people know, hey, I'm from the nation of sin. It's pretty evident, just ask your spouse. It's pretty evident, just ask the people closest to you. Like we are sinners. And here's where many of us lose our way. Here's where I beg you to lean in. Many of us like, okay, I'm born into the nation of sin, so here's where we lose our way. Many of us, what we do is we try to behave our way out of the nation of sin. Think about what I just said, guys. We try to somehow behave our way out of the nation we were born into. The fact of the matter is, you ought to write this down, I, you, we cannot behave our way into peace with God. We cannot behave our way into peace with God. Some of us try to behave our way into God's kingdom. That's why some of you are here this morning. We become more religious, more generous. For some of us, we become more benevolent at Christmas time. We try to do gooder things at Christmas time because we're trying to behave our way into peace with God. Everybody listen to what I want to tell you. I want Ready? I'm not being mean by what I'm getting ready to say. I want to tell you this before you're dead. In case I do your funeral, you cannot make peace with God on your own. I beg that you hear me. You cannot behave your way into peace with God. You cannot on your own make peace with God. I hear it all the time. I just want to make my peace with God. You can't make your peace with God on your own. You can't behave your way out of the nation that you were born into. I can't behave my way out of the nation of sin. Begs the question then, then what do I do? That's Christmas. Guys, that is the good news of Christmas. Look back at Romans chapter five. I wanna show you this. Romans five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through, what's the word? Say it out loud. Through faith, we have what? Say it out loud. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I want you to write this down. I want to explain it to you. God is the one who makes peace with me. I want you to write it down. God is the one who makes peace with me. I can already tell. I can tell by looking at you that you're not tracking with me. I'm not being mean to you. You're not, because if you were tracking with me, that would blow your mind. that would blow your mind. You're saying, Dan, why would that blow your mind? Well, let me tell you why that would blow your mind. You ever have a conflict with somebody? I've, I've heard that this happens. I'm sure it's never happened to any of you, and I've just heard it happens, but sometimes husbands and wives have conflict. Can I get an amen in the room? Anybody with me? Yeah? Yeah, sometimes in the Gregory household, husband has conflict with wife. 
Okay, so sometimes we have conflict. I know it's hard to believe, but we have conflict, right? I know you don't struggle with it, but we've had conflict. You know what happens when we have conflict? I know you, this never happens to you, but when we have conflict, because we are just two sinners living under the same roof, right? Here's what happens. When we have conflict and we get fussing with each other and we say things we wish we hadn't of, you don't worry about that, I know, but that happens in our home. You know what we do? We all, we both of us go to our separate corners. You ever have that happen? And you know what we do? I know you, you're just like, that happens, like it happens, right? We go to our separate corners. You know what we do? Y'all are looking at me like you're judging me. You know what we do? We, we wait for the person who was wrong, you see what I'm doing? To come and make things right. Give me an amen in the room. Leave me up here hanging, right? I'm not alone in this. And I wait for her, the one who was wrong, to come make things right. You know the problem with that? You know the problem with that? The problem is we both think we're right. Do you see what's going on here? When it comes to peace with God, it is no secret who is wrong in the relationship. Stay with me. No secret who is in the wrong. And do you know what the good news is? The one who was totally in the right made the first move so that we could have peace. That, my friends, is mind-blowing. You're saying, how did he do that? Well, Romans 5 tells us, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, those at conflict with him. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die but if you write in your Bibles, I'd underline this verse. But God demonstrates how much he loves us, and he demonstrates it in this. While we were still sinners, everybody listen, while we were still in conflict with him, when we were in our sin, Christ died for us. For some of you, it fills the picture out because Christmas is all about the fact that God sent Jesus and when he sent Jesus, he is the one who made the bridge for you and I to have peace with God. Everybody lean in. You cannot behave your way out of the nation of sin. So how in the world do I find peace with God? It's not by behaving your way out of the nation of sin. It's by believing in Jesus. You see, here's how I would write it down. Peace with God begins by saying yes to Jesus and what he did for me. Peace with God begins by saying yes to Jesus and what he did for me. When he came, he came to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Some of you are like, I know that story. Some of you are like, I know that story. I've heard that story. I can, also, I can see it in some of your eyes. And yet the truth of the matter is you're not at peace with God. And I'm gonna tell you why you're not at peace with God. Everybody look here. Would everybody agree, yes or no, that there is a stool on this stage, yes? This is class participation. Everybody agree there is a stool on the stage, yes or no? Yes. Does it look like a nice stool, yes or no? Yes. yes, somebody said, I'm not sure, right? But yes, right? Does it look like a sturdy stool, yes or no? 
Yes, does it look like it can hold me, yes or no? Yes. You see, here's the deal. I can all day long, all service long, all year long look at this and say there is a stool that Aiden put right there on that stage for me. I can all service long say I believe that stool is a sturdy stool. I believe that stool will carry my weight, but it's not until I decide to place the entire weight of me on that stool that I exercise what the Bible would call faith. And that's what it means to say yes to Jesus. You're saying, Dan, why did you just show us that? Because some of you know Jesus came, you know Jesus died, you know the entire story, but you have never placed the entire weight of your life on what he did for you. And so what happens is you are religious but have no relationship and you're not at peace with God. See, we have to start here. Peace with God comes by placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, by literally placing the entire weight of my life on what he did for me. I'm in conflict with God because of sin. Everybody look here a second. I'm at conflict with God because of my sin. You're like, Dan, help me understand that. What's the difference? The fact of the matter is this, that there are some of you in the room, you'd say, well, I've trusted Jesus as my savior. I'm a Christian. You'd say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm somebody who has said yes to Jesus, and yet this morning you're not at peace with God. And the reason you're not at peace with God as a Christ follower is because of your sin. You're saying, help me understand that. Happy to. Instead of thinking the nation you were born into when you think of your sin, look up here, I want you to think of your family. Can we just agree to something? I want to know, this class participation, how many of you in the room were ever a kid? Raise your hand. (laughs) Some of you are like, was I? Yeah, okay. That was a trick question, right? Here's what you know if you were ever a kid and you grew up in a home where there were parents. Sometimes there was not peace in your family. Give me an amen on that. And as a kid, it made sense, it was easy. The reason there wasn't peace in your family was simply this, because doggone your parents, right? They wanted you to do things that you didn't want to do, right? And sometimes there are things you wanted to do they didn't want you to do. Do you ever think about it? I'm a parent now. Do you ever think the power, the power we have as parents, do you ever think about this? You have the power, just just make life peaceful. Like if I could just speak for all the kids in the room, like you parents could make life peaceful. Hey, clean your room. I mean, if you feel like it. I mean, it would be peaceful, right? Do your chores if you get around to it. Amen? Come in at 10 o'clock or whenever. Respect your mom. I mean, I mean, if it's convenient for you. But like, if you would just do that, we'd have peace. But praise God that most of us had parents who loved us enough that they didn't just give us what we thought we wanted. Amen? You see... 
The reason I want you to think family is this, is the minute you say yes to Jesus, everybody listen, 1 John 3 says this, the Father lavishes on us great love. It's so great that we should be called, everybody say it out loud, called what? Children of God. And that's what we are. And the reason some of us don't have peace with God is simply this. My sin wrecks my peace with my heavenly father. God is our heavenly father who loves us enough to say no. I wanna teach you something that's so important, guys. God is a heavenly father who loves us enough that sometimes he'll say, no, don't go there. Sometimes he loves us enough to say, I want you to come over here even though it's hard. I want you to come down this path even though you don't necessarily feel like it. He is a heavenly father who loves us. And listen to what I want I want you to hear me. Some of you grew up in church all your life and you never got this because you're living the Christian life trying to keep the rules and it's not about the rules. It's about the relationship and the heavenly father who loved me enough to save me and give me eternal life is the same heavenly father who loves me enough to lead me into abundant life. That's worth writing down somewhere. You see, a guy named John says this in 1 John. It's hard, guys. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, can we just say it this way? If we claim to have peace with God, that's what fellowship is. It's like, we're, we're good. If we claim that we're good, God, you and I good, and yet walk in the darkness, we, everybody say it out loud, we, I was kind of timid. Like John doesn't mince words, does he? And we don't live out the truth. What he's saying is this, just put it in, in practical terms, like God, me and God, we're good. I'm gonna kind of do my own thing. I, I know he says that, but I'm gonna, I feel like this is easier. I feel like this is more convenient. I feel like this is what everyone else is doing. What John simply says is this, is that peace with God continues by saying yes to where Jesus is leading me. <laughs> Some of us are not at peace with God. You know why? We're just being honest here this morning. We're not at peace with God because we truly would believe in our heart that we said yes to Jesus as our Savior, and yet right now, we're acting like a kid. We're acting like a kid. We're like, I want to do what I want to do because it's what I feel like doing. And for some of you, for some of you, that's where you're at, and you're at turmoil with God. And the reason you're at turmoil with God is not because you're simply breaking a rule. It's because somewhere along the way you quit trusting, listen close, that God wasn't good enough and smart enough and loving enough to lead you into an abundant life. Tracking with me?
Which begs the question then. Some of you, I can see it in your eyes. The question it begs is this, what if I've already screwed up? Some of you are there this morning. What if I've already screwed up and I got this turmoil? You know what happens a lot of times? We're just being real. If you're newer here, we just be, we're just real. Some of you are like, I've already screwed up and I, I've lost my way. Talk to people all the time. Some of you are there this morning. You know what happens when we screw up and we lose our way? You know what happens? You know what happens the majority of times? You know what we do? We avoid God. We don't just avoid God. I've been a pastor for 26 years. You know what else we do? We avoid people like me that we think kind of represent God, right? I have people tell me, they're like, I didn't want to talk to you. Hey, let me just put you at ease. First of all, I'm not God and I'm not the Pope, okay? But isn't it true we avoid God? You know why we avoid God? Because we think God's angry at us. We think God's angry at us. So we're not sure what to do. So the angrier we think he is, the more we avoid him and the further we lose our way. <laughs> it makes me think of a story. When I lived in Indiana, we used to have a big parade. And I remember one time we went to this parade my family and I, with our three little kids, went with a friend of ours and, and their kids. Had to be like 15,000, 20,000 people at this parade. There's people everywhere at this parade. Everywhere. And so with our kids, because I wanted my kids and my friend wanted his kids to have the best time possible, we said, whatever you do, listen to what we're saying. Because there is 20,000 people in this place. So follow what we're saying. Listen to what we're telling you because we want you to have a blast. So we went to the parade. Everything went fine. My friend's little girl at some point along the way decided to go her own way. She was just young. And my friend turned around and she was nowhere to be found. 20,000 people, and his daughter is lost. I want you to lean in. Do you think at that moment, my friend was so mad I get my hands? No. My friend at that moment became so passionate, so passionate to find his little girl. Some of you this morning, you think God is mad at you and you're avoiding God and I want to tell you something, God's not mad. He is so passionate. He is so passionate that you would come home because the same God that loved you enough to save you is the same God who loves you enough to lead you into an abundant life. And for some of you, you're like, man, I've lost my peace. What do I do? First John says, if we confess our sins, we agree with our heavenly father about our sins. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I would write it down this way. Peace with God is restored by confessing my sin, agreeing with God about my sin 
and then saying yes to where Jesus is leading me. That's what the Bible, some of you grew up with this word repentance is. It's like I'm lost, I'm gonna quit avoiding God. I'm gonna agree with God. I'm gonna agree with God and then I'm gonna trust that my heavenly father loves me even though it's not where I feel like, even though it feels hard, I'm gonna turn and follow him to where it is that he's leading me. I'm gonna invite Pastor Aiden to come out. I wanna finish with a song this morning, so I'd love for you not to put your stuff away yet. Because it kind of begs a question, and the question it begs is, okay, Dan, what do we do with this? What's the take home? What's the one thing we can take home? What's the implication to everything that you've said today? Because everything that I've said today sets us up for I want to take you next week and the week after that. And if I could sum it up in one sentence, I would say it this way. I'd say quit trying to make your peace with God and start living at peace with God. You see, here's why this is important. Some of you in the room, you're trying to make your peace with God. That's why you're here this morning. And I think what God would say to you is stop trying to make your peace with God and begin accepting the peace that he made with you. For some of you, you've never done that. You're religious, but you have no relationship. You know the story of Jesus. It's a good story. It's a moral story. I think it's good for people to know that story. But there's some of you in the room, you've never, ever placed the full weight of your life on Jesus and said yes to what he did for you on the cross. I beg you, I'm not even being funny. There are some of you, I may have the opportunity and privilege to do your funeral. He may have the opportunity to do some of your funerals. We're just talking, not preaching now. I beg you, I beg you, quit trying to make your peace with God. Quit trying to behave your way into peace with God. And this morning, right now, would you believe in what Jesus did for you? Jesus says that minute, you don't behave your way out of the nation of sin, but you're born again into the family of God, the kingdom of God. You can do that this morning. Say, yes, Jesus. I believe when you died on the cross, you died for me. There's some of you that you've said yes to Jesus. You're not at peace with God. Life's turmoil right now. Some of you are not at peace with God because you're pretty sure God's angry with you. So you just keep distancing yourself. And the further you run, the more conflict you feel. And maybe the invitation this Christmas is simply that you run home to a father that is passionately waiting for his child to come home because he loves you. He's passionate that you come home and live at peace. He was good enough to save you. He's good enough, kind enough, smart enough, loving enough to lead you. The same God that offers you eternal life is the same God that invites you into an abundant life. So God, we're done.
We need you. We need you this morning. So God, I pray for my friends in this room who aren't at peace with you because they've never said yes to Jesus, that right now in their seat, they would simply say, I believe Jesus is the Savior who died in my place for my sin. God, I pray for tons of my friends in this room who are in turmoil. They're part of the family of God and yet they've distanced themselves. I pray that this Christmas, this morning, December 1, 2019, would be the morning they simply come into agreement with you and say, I'm going to trust that you are a father who's good enough, loving enough, kind enough to lead me into a life that is abundant. God, we need you this morning.